have a confession to make. <laughs> I have a bunion on my right foot. <laughs> it's super ugly. Like, I can't even tell you how ugly it is, and it is terribly painful. And sometimes it hinders me from walking properly. And I got it because I wore the wrong kind of shoes. And I don't have anybody to blame but myself because I knew the shoes that I, I was wearing were not good, but I wore them anyway. And I paid a dear price because of it. I have long-term repercussions because of it. And so I learned the hard way that uh, we have to choose the right kind of shoes. And you know what? The same is true of us spiritually. We have to choose the right kind of spiritual shoes as well. Otherwise, there will be repercussions in our life. We will have unnecessary pain because of it. We'll be affected by it. Tonight, we're going to continue our series on spiritual warfare, a series that we've entitled Armed and Dangerous. And we're going to talk about spiritual shoes, the shoes of peace, because the right shoes are essential for warfare. I, I want you to imagine, as we've been studying the armor of God, I want you to imagine for a moment a soldier all decked out in, in full armor, but not wearing the right kind of shoes, or maybe not wearing shoes at all. Can you picture it in your head? I imagine a soldier in high heels. <laughs> that would be completely ineffective and, and very limiting. Or imagine a barefoot soldier. That would be disastrous. Without the proper shoes, a soldier would be unfit for battle. And the same is true of you and me in the spiritual battle that we face every day. We can put on all the right armor of God that we've been studying and not be fitted with the right shoes and be rendered unfit for battle or have it interfere with our walk like my bunion interferes with my walk. In order to stand firm against the enemy, we must be wearing the correct shoes. And for that reason tonight, we're going to look at the shoes of peace. Uh, when a believer's foundation is peace it's much easier to stand firm and persevere against the enemy. On the other hand, the best way for the enemy to knock us out of the fight and render us unfit and useless in the battle is to strip us of our peace and to fill us instead with worry and anxiety and fear and strife. And many of us, are we're, we're, we're aware of the importance of putting on the proper armor. We know all about the, the, the shield of faith. We know all about the sword of the spirit. We know about the belt of truth. But we overlook the significance of the gospel shoes. And then we wonder why anxiety and fear dominate our life day in and day out. Paul says to put on the full armor of God. No peace is insignificant. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight the gospel shoes of peace. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 15. We're going to focus strictly on 15, but let's read it uh, from 10 down again. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Oh, we're strong in the Lord. 
and in the power of his might. Some of you are trying to be strong in your drug. You're trying to be strong in alcohol. You're trying to be strong in success. You're, you're trying to be strong in getting ahead. You're trying to be strong in whatever. But I'm telling you, our strength comes from the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God. Why? that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, because you're wrestling against those forces, because of that, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that you may be able to stand, withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and here it is, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I really like the AMPC, that one verse in the AMPC, it says, and having shod your feet in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability, the promptness and the readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace having shod your peace. I, I read a lot of commentaries this week, and, and all the commentaries, they, the commentators seem to differ about what they think this shoes of gospel peace really mean. A lot of them say, well, it means we're going out, we're ready to go out and, and, and take the world with the gospel. Other uh, say that we fight from a place of knowing that we have peace with God. And I think that those are all true, but I believe that we're looking at this passage. If you keep it in context, it is talking about how to battle the enemy. It's a fight. These are weapons. And, and so I believe the weapon that we're looking at here, yes, it's peace with God, but it is also the peace of God that we're looking at here. And we're going to talk about that as we go down through this passage. So having shod your feet, that word shod is hupodeo. Hupo means under. Deo means to bind. It means to bind underneath. It's to bind under one's feet. It's a picture of binding sandals, which is what the soldiers wore. It's interesting to me that the tense is in the aorist uh, middle, which means you are the one who has to put these sandals on. Sorry, not sorry. God is not going to do it for you. You have a choice. The sandals are there. Are you going to put them on? You have to do it. A Roman soldier couldn't have loose-fitting shoes. These, the sandals he wore were bound tightly to his feet and his legs because a loose-fitting shoe would have hindered him in his walk. They needed to be bound tightly. Rick Renner, one of my favorite commentators, says, Paul uses this illustration to tell us we must firmly tie God's peace into our lives. If we only give peace a loose-fitting position in our lives, it won't be long before the affairs of life knock, out our, knock our peace out of place. Hence, we must bind peace into our minds and emotions in the same way Roman soldiers made sure to bind their shoes very tightly onto their feet. It's interesting to me that one of the definitions of, uh, of having shod means to be at one with. I'm telling you, in this Christian life, if you want to walk victoriously, you need to be at one with peace. 
Yes, you have peace with God, but he wants to give you a peace that passes all understanding. He wants to keep your mind at perfect peace. He has a peace that he wants you to live in, knowing that he has you, that nothing the enemy could bring at you has any power, and you can have peace in knowing that. And we have to bind that into our minds, into our lives, that we walk in peace so that when the enemy brings something into our life that causes anxiety or fear, we need to, to wield the weapon and say, no, I've got, I've got some shoes on me. I, I, I have a weapon here. I'm armed and dangerous because I am walking in peace and you cannot take that from me. You don't have to accept everything that the enemy brings at your life. We've got to get wise. This passage started out telling us not to be unaware of the enemy's schemes. This is a scheme of the enemy to steal the peace that Christ paid a dear price for you to have. He says, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That word preparation means readiness. It's the act of preparing. It's a readiness of mind. You've got to keep it in your mind that you have complete and total peace in God. That he has you. That you don't have to fear anything that comes at you because he has you. You need to be ready with that mindset. It's a readiness to go forth into peace, in peace and invade enemy territory and take back what he stole from you. A readiness to go forth in peace and invade the enemy territory by coming in an opposite spirit of what's coming at you. I love the name Caleb. I love it. I saw Karen was here. Her husband's name is Caleb, and I, I love that name. Because Caleb, you know, in, in uh, Joshua and Caleb, when they went into, um, the, when the 12 spies were sent into the promised land, and the 10 came back with a negative report, but Joshua and Caleb came back with a positive report. The name Caleb means opposite spirit. He came back with an opposite report of everybody else. And I'm telling you that when you have peace, when you, are, uh, when you have prepared your mind here, it means to invade the enemy's territory with an opposite spirit of what's coming at you. So when he is bringing fear at you, you need to come back at him with the peace of those, those that, that the, your feet are bound in, that you're walking in. Shoes are a picture of walking. Shoes protect my feet when I'm walking. Throughout scripture, over and over and over, the Christian life is referred to, I think 40 plus times, it's referred to as a walk. So here, when we're talking about shoes, Paul was talking about the way you walk out the Christian life. How do we do that? In peace. That's what our feet are bound to. That's what we're walking out peace in our Christian life. That means when the enemy comes at you with an opposite thing and he says, I'm bringing anxiety, you refuse that in the name of Jesus and you say, no, I am bound. I have a mind that's ready, understanding I am bound to peace. That peace covers my life. When he brings fear, you come back at him with an opposite spirit and you say, no, no, nope, not receiving it. My mind is ready with peace, and you don't get to take my, the, my feet out from under me. I just had a thought. Many of you know I have a broken tailbone. I've had it since December. Y'all can pray for me for healing because I, I keep declaring it over my life, but I have a broken tailbone, and it interferes, interferes with my life. And, but it happened because I was going to the corners in December of last year, and I was going down the escalator, and I hit a patch of ice. 
And my feet, honestly, like in a blink, in a second, went out from under me, flew up. My tailbone hit the escalator. I felt like I blacked out in pain. My, my tailbone fractured, and I rode the escalator down the whole way to the bottom and crawled to my car. My feet went right out from under me. Can I tell you that the enemy wants to fracture your life? He, he, your peace belongs to you. And he's looking for a way to take your feet, shod with the gospel peace, out from under you and fracture, bring a fracture into your life so you're no longer walking in peace. Christ died for you to have that peace. Not just peace with God, but the peace of God. The word peace there is, is interesting. It means a state of natural tranquility. It's calm and tranquility of soul despite external turmoil. I love that. Calm and tranquility of soul despite external turmoil. What do you mean by that, Rhea? That means all hell can be breaking loose in your life and you cannot be removed from that place of peace because the peace that God gives you is calm and tranquility despite external turmoil. Do you see it? It's peace between individuals, harmony and, and concord. It's security, safety, prosperity. It embodies completeness, wholeness, and inner resting of the soul that doesn't fluctuate based on outside influences. Oh, one writer says it denotes the tranquility that comes with salvation, which cannot be overthrown by any violence or misfortune. I love that. It belongs to you. It's part of the, the, the promise of salvation. It's what comes with salvation. The Greek equivalent of the, of the, it's the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word shalom. There's a scripture in the, in the Hebrew, I think it's in Isaiah, that says, he will keep at perfect peace him whose mind is stayed on him. That perfect peace is shalom, shalom. They say it twice. Anytime a word is repeated in the scripture, it's to, it's to stress it. It's to, it's to really put emphasis on it. So he will keep it perfect peace. Him whose mind has stayed on you. Anytime the enemy tries to bring anxiety or fear in my life, I will say, thank you, Lord, that you promise. It's a promise of God that as I direct home, because I put my mind, I've directed my mind onto you. And so many of you are tormented and harassed by anxiety and fear and, and chaos in your life. And, and when that comes, you have to make a choice. This is how we fight our battles. This is what the armor is all about. It is to not accept that anxiety and instead direct your mind back to God. To him, I will keep at perfect peace him whose mind is stayed on me. Lord, I'm not in perfect peace, therefore my mind must have, have drifted off of you and onto my circumstance, onto this thing that the enemy has put in front of me. I am going to redirect my mind back to you because I have a promise that you will keep me at perfect peace as I stay my mind on you. Do you see it? See how it works? But instead, this is what we do. Oh, I have anxiety. I fear, I'm worried about this thing, I can't sleep at night. Direct your mind back. He will keep a perfect peace, him whose mind is stayed on him. Keep your mind on him. Maybe the definition of peace doesn't do it for you. Let's talk about the opposite of peace, and maybe that'll make it clear. The opposite of peace would be strife, it would be anxiety, it would be fear, worry, chaos. 
Um, so it's important that you know that biblical peace is not the absence of war or conflict. It's not everything going well in your life. The biblical definition of peace is when all hell is breaking loose, you are still okay. It's when you have tranquility on the inside despite trouble on the outside. It's calm and tranquility despite external turmoil. It's being stable when everything around you is unstable. It's what the Bible calls peace that passes all understanding. It's peace that doesn't make sense. It's peace that others don't understand. It's when a negative doctor's report comes back and you're still smiling. It's, it's when all your children are a mess and you're not because you're wearing the right kind of shoes. It's when your world is falling apart, but you're not falling apart with it. It's when everything around you is messed up and broken, and yet you're not being broken by it. Because you're wearing shoes of peace, securely bound by them. Turn over to 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 23 and 24. 23 through 24. I just want to go through this. Um, it's a scripture I quote often. Now may the God of peace, here it is. He's the God of peace. He brings peace. It's who he is. So when we're in his presence, we can't help but be overwhelmed by peace. Uh, I, I love, uh, you know, uh, my mama growing up had the best smelling perfume. She loved gardenias and she wore gardenia perfume and um, even to smell gardenia today reminds me of my mom because she would come into a room and the room would fill with her fragrance. It's what she was um, consumed with. It was what was such a part of her and she brought it with her wherever she went. He's the God of all peace. And so when you get in his presence, you can't help but be overcome by peace because he's the God of peace. He embodies it. It's who he is. So, so look at that. And now may the God of all peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So look at that. That's how sanctification happens. The Lord God himself, the, the God of all peace, will sanctify you. He'll make you whole. And look at, the, look at the order that sanctification happens. I don't want you to miss this. He says, you're going to be sanct he's going to sanctify you, spirit, soul, and body. Remember, three-part being, spirit, soul, body. We, we have a spirit. It's been born again when we received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Our spirit man was made new and he was sealed for the day of redemption. No darkness can come near that spirit man. He's sealed for the day of redemption. No scheme of the enemy can touch that spirit man. It's sealed for the day of redemption. However, what does he target? Because we get sanctified spirit, soul, and body. It's a process. And so the, the soul is not sealed for the day of redemption. The Bible says that the soul was not made new when you came to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says that, that your soul, your mind, is transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you get transformed by the renewing of your mind. That mind has to be renewed. And that's how it gets transformed. And so the enemy targets that mind because he knows you're going to be a changed person if that soul gets sanctified and set apart. But here's the thing, the God of all peace is doing that sanctifying. And as you walk in peace, that mind 
will and emotions, your soul gets sanctified more and more. But look at the process. You're going to sanctify your spirit, soul, and body. The Bible says where the mind goes, what follows? The man, the body follows. So my mind can go and I can go to the refrigerator and start eating to calm uh, my, my, my thoughts and my man is going to follow. So I, I, I'm just telling you the sanctification process happens like that. And so my spirit man is, is sealed for the day of redemption. I am a spirit man. Those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. I am, I'm created in his image and his likeness. I am a spirit being. I relate to God through my spirit, okay? And so, <laughs> sanctification, it, the, when I received Christ, that new man, got my, my spirit got made new. Are you with me? So the enemy comes, and he tries to bring, uh, he, what, try, he wants my peace. He's after my peace, and so he can't get to the spirit man where the peace is. So what does he go after? My soul. And he brings torment, and he harasses me, and he tries to get me to focus on that. But here's what happens. The peace comes. Where's the peace? In my spirit, man. The Holy Spirit living within me will give me peace. And so it's an inside-out motion. And yet he brings externals trying to get in there. Do you see the battle that's taking place there? Am I not explaining that clearly? You're kind of looking at me with like deer in the headlights. But, but because you're not, you mustn't be hearing it because I, I, I'm just telling you it works from the inside out, from your spirit man out. So in order to experience true and abiding peace, we must submit our minds, our soul, our emotions, our will to the truth of God's word and to the Holy Spirit living within us. He wants to give us peace. And so when the enemy comes from the outside in and says, here's some anxiety for you, worry about this thing, what do we do? I can submit to that or I can submit to the God of all peace living inside of me through his Holy Spirit. Which way am I going to go? Outside in, inside out. That's part of warfare is to say, nope, not receiving it. God of all peace lives within me. He gives me peace that passes all understanding. Let's quote that scripture. Don't be anxious about anything. You do not have the one thing that it's okay to be anxious about. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer, petition, and with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and what will happen? The peace of God, which transcends all, all understanding, ridiculous peace, doesn't even make sense, will guard, garrison, what's it going to guard and garrison? What part? Your hearts and minds, which is your soul. It'll garrison your heart and mind. It'll put peace soldiers is what it really means. He's putting peace soldiers around your heart and your mind. Do you see the process? But instead we say, okay, I'll take that anxiety. I'll take that fear. I'll take that worry. So many of us look to external things that only mess us up and distort the soul even more. I feel this anxiety, I'm going to medicate it, I'm going to drink it, I'm going to whatever. Eat it, feed it, yep. And, and, and instead we don't realize that that's played right into the enemy's hands because he's trying to do what happened to me in the escalator. He's trying to take our feet out from under us because he understands that our feet are, are shod with peace. 
And the only way he can get it is to take our feet out from under us through circumstances and traps and schemes, anxiety, fear, worry. And we've got to learn to fight back. We've got to learn what is ours in Christ Jesus. Do you know, because this is what happens, he brings a storm, he brings, you know, waves of life come crashing into our life and it robs us of our peace. I read something this week. Do you know how whales and fish and sharks um, survive a hurricane or a tropical storm? They're not affected by it at all. Do you know why? They dive deeper. And, and there's a certain place in the ocean, a certain number of feet, where the waters are calm. And so they dive and they, they, they swim swiftly to that place of peace, <laughs> that place of calm. And so the hurricane can be raging all around them, but they're unaffected by it because they dove deeper. Oh, Jesus. Remember, Holy Spirit sealed for the day of redemption. The spirit man is the place where that peace rests, where, where we access that place in God, where the peace abides. And, and, and so we have to dive deeper. When the winds of life, when the hurricanes, the storms of life come at us, we have to dive deeper into that spirit man, into that place in the spirit where the God of all peace <laughs> will bring calm and tranquility to us. We've got to dive deeper. We've got to dive deeper. Well, let's look at those sandals some more. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The soldier's sandal, um, Josephus, one of the Jewish historians, tells, tells us that the, the Roman soldier's sandals were, they had hobnails on them. So it, was, it would be similar to our soccer cleats or our football cleats today. Uh, they, they actually had really thick layers of, uh, of leather, and then they had these thick, uh, spiky nails driven down through the soles, lots of them. And, and so it would give them sure footing. It would give them firm fit footing. And so like my sons, when they played soccer, if it was raining, they, they would be flying all over the place if they didn't have their cleats on. But their cleats dug into that, and it, kept their, they, it gave them firm footing. And that's what the soldiers' uh, sandals were all about with those nails on the bottom of that because it, they were intended to hold the soldier in place in the midst of conflict. It gave him sure footing and helped him to stand firm when he was under attack. The enemy couldn't knock him over or make him lose his footing. It, the enemy couldn't push him back. The nails would dig into the ground and keep, keep him in place. Can I just tell you what? That the enemy of your soul wants to take your feet out from under you. He wants to knock you out of your place of standing. He wants to knock you out of that place of peace. And, and you, if you are firm, the Bible says that we need to stand firm against him. And we do that by keeping those shoes of peace bound to our feet and not be moved by him. It's interesting that Paul tells us that we are wrestling over and over in Scripture. He says you're, you're, that you're wrestling. You don't wrestle against flesh and blood, he says. I was a, a cheerleader for the, wrestler, the wrestling team at my, my high school, and we would sit on the mat while they wrestled. And so I had a really good view uh, of the wrestling team. And, and so one of the things I learned very quickly, because I thought wrestling was all about 
getting them down on that mat. And, but, but I realized very quickly that wrestling was about trying to stay up as long as you could. Because once he threw you to the mat, you were at a disadvantage. It, you were going down quick. And so a, a wrestler tried to stay on his feet as long as possible. They'd kind of like go around in the ring like this because nobody wanted to be down. And then they'd dive for the feet. And, and, and the best thing to do is when, when, when the opponent went diving for your feet, for you to jump on top of him and pit him to the ground. That is what the enemy of your soul wants to do. He wants you to not stand firm. He wants to take you down for the count. And you have got to get wise in how you battle him. Because you have gospel uh, shoes of peace with hobnails in them to hold you firm against the enemy so you can stand firm against him. He wants to come and bring anxiety and worry because he knows that place of peace is a place of victory for you. The soldiers' shoes were vital in protecting them and enabling them to walk over the traps that their enemy had set for them. The Jewish historians tell us that these nails were really important and the, the really thick padding on the bottom of the sandal were important because apparently the enemies of, of the, the Roman soldiers would put uh, things in the ground, sharp things sticking up, so that when they stepped on them, if they couldn't take them out, at least they, they could wound their feet if they didn't have proper sandals on, the, those sharp objects would come up uh, to the, by the soles of their feet and, bring a, and wound their feet, and then infection would set in. It would keep them from walking effectively, and they'd, they, they'd be taken out of the battle. Hmm. But the enemy, he's setting traps, traps that you think, <laughs> traps to get your peace. Now remember, soldier sandals were a picture of peace. <laughs> and, and if your sandals aren't good, if you're not securely bound in those sandals, if you just have loose-fitting peace that can be easily moved, and the enemy sets a trap for you, and you step in the right place, you get a wound that takes you out of the battle. What does that look like, Rhea? Well, he sets traps all the time. Traps that you think are a husband. Traps that you think are a co-worker. Traps that you think are, you know, a, a mother's unkind words. Traps that you think are somebody mistreating you at church. And you actually take the bait and step on them. And, and, and you think the wound <laughs> is about a person. When it's the enemy of your soul who set a trap to try to get at your peace. To try to take you out of the battle. And there's no quicker way to get you out of the battle than to get your peace. He sets traps. If you're not walking your Christian walk at peace with God, obeying his word, following his command, you've lost your footing and the enemy will be able to take you down for the count. If you're not walking, and listen to this one, in peace with your brothers and sisters, you're not at peace with God. I'm sorry, I'm just going to tell you, if you have conflict with a brother or a sister, you are not at peace with God. Sorry, not sorry, because he says, love one another as I have loved you. Forgive one another because I have forgiven you. That We are obligated to this. And yet what we're doing, even in the church today, there's division, there's people at odds with one another, and all we're doing is playing into the scheme of the enemy we're giving him ground we're letting him take our feet out from under us 
So this is living at peace even with one another. Turn over to Colossians 3.2. I promise I'm finishing here. Therefore, as the elect of God, do you know that you're the elect of God? Holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. I, I just I want to read that to you again. Because he's talking to us. Are you the elect of God? Yep. Then you're called to be holy. And you're beloved. And so put on tender mercies. Be merciful to one another. Be tender to one another. Put on kindness. Be kind to one another. Put on humility. Stop thinking so much of yourself. <laughs> Meekness. Be meek. Be long-suffering, patient with one another. Here, here it is, bearing with one another. It, the word, it means putting up with one another. I don't like her. We'll put up with her because you're called to do that because you're holy and you're beloved by God. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, forgive them. Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must, not might, not maybe, you must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And here's the thing I want you to see. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let it, allow it to rule in your hearts. That word rule, guess what it is? Umpire. Let the, the peace of God, allow the peace of God to be the umpire and rule, have the final say in your life. I love baseball. I love it. It's, I love it. I love the Brewers. I love baseball. And, and, and I'm really good at calling balls and strikes and outs. I, I'm super good at it. And sometimes I'm better than the umpire, and I think I know better. And he'll call a strike, and I'll be like, mm, that was a ball. And I, I think I have it. You know, I, I got this down. I, I make good calls. But here's what happens. When the Brewers umpires make a call, and my call is different in the stands, guess whose call remains? The umpire's. He has the final say no matter what I think, no matter what I think I saw, no matter what I think I know, he has the final say. He's the umpire. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying, let the peace of God rule in your heart. So you don't want to be tender. You don't want to be kind. You don't want to bear with that person. You don't want to forgive that person. Here's what you're called to do. Let, allow, the peace of God to have the final say in your life. You cannot be holding on to, forget, uh, to unforgiveness with somebody and have peace. I'm sorry, you can't. You can't be unkind to somebody. Oh, man, nasty. Now, men, I'm just going to, I just am talking to the women here for a second. Nasty women, you cannot be nasty and have the peace of God. You can't. What are the other ones? Bearing with one another. You can't be like, I don't like her. I don't want to be near her. She gets on every nerve I have and have peace with God. You can't do it. So we have to allow the peace of God to rule, to have the final say in our life. Anything that takes us away from that place of peace, we need to get rid of. We need to identify as a scheme of the enemy. Oh, listen to this quote. This was uh, Priscilla Schreier, and I was like, where am I going to throw that in? It doesn't even fit anywhere, but it fits here. Priscilla Schreier says, whenever you feel an overriding sense of unrest inside or an overwhelming distress in your relationships, 
the enemy is somewhere in the middle stirring it up. Anywhere peace is lacking, you can be sure the enemy is at work. Now listen to this same verse in Colossians in the, the voice. I'm sorry, but it's just so good. I just have to read it to you. Since you're all set apart by God, made holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself, dress yourself, put this on every day, with a holy way of life, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Put up with one another. Forgive. Pardon any offenses against one another as the Lord has pardoned you because you should act in kind. But above all these, put on love. Love is the perfect tie to bind these together. Let your hearts fall under the rule of the anointed peace, the peace you were called to as one body, and be thankful. We were called to that peace. We're called as a body of believers to live at peace with one another. The Bible says, be at peace with one another as far as it depends on you. There are some people that don't want to be at peace with you, but as far as it depends on you, you make sure you're living at peace with them. Be at peace with one another as, as far as it depends on you. You say, well, Rhea, why should I? They're nasty. They're unkind. Because God gives us, he gives us in his word the reason so that peace you can live in peace so that peace can rule in your life and have the final say in your life. Don't let anxiety have the final say in your life. Don't let fear have the final say in your life. Don't let chaos have the final say in your life. Let peace have the final say. Be the umpire of your life. You have to let it rule in our life. Some of you are dealing with a difficult person and you want to slap them silly or tell them a, bit, a thing or two. But regardless of, of the call you want to make, peace has to be your umpire. Life is full of decisions and choices. He says, let, allow the peace of God to rule in your life. We make a decision that we're going to live in peace. We're not going to live in conflict. We're not going to live in strife. We're not going to live in anxiety. We're not going to live in worry. We're not going to live in fear. It's a choice. Because God says it's all available to you. Everything you need for life and godliness is in you. It's sealed in that spirit. And it's working its way out as you submit to and, and rely on it and not the flesh. Walk in accordance to the spirit and not in accordance to the flesh. Do you see it? Yeah. So First John or John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives, I do not give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. What is the heart? Soul, mind, the will, the emotions. Jesus says, I'm giving you peace. I'm leaving peace with you, and it's my peace. It's not peace like the world gives. It's not peace that comes in a bottle. It's not peace that comes in a drug. It's not peace that comes in a man. I'm giving you my peace. Do not let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be troubled. Don't let the enemy have ground there. Refuse it in the name of Jesus and take the peace that he gives to us. John 16, says, I've told you all of this so that you may find your peace in me. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Find your peace in him, in relationship with him. 
that J.B. Phillips says, I leave behind with you peace. I give you my own peace, and my gifting is nothing like the peace of this world. You must not be distressed, and you must not be daunted. <laughs> he says, having shod your feet. <laughs> Let, let's look at that. This is too good. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Do you know what the word gospel means? You should. What does it mean? Good news, evangelium. It's, it's good news. And, but I, what I didn't know is that word is rarely used in the Greek. It's all through our Greek New Testament, but, but it's rarely used in, in like, um, they call it a cornea uh, Greek, in the, in the classical Greek. It was rarely used. Uh, it was a term um, because the, the reason that they rarely used it is the news had to be so, so good that it was unbelievable. They would only use that word in those cases, that it was too good to be true. And so in the classical Greek, in the everyday language, they rarely use that word. And then Jesus comes along, and all of a sudden, it's all through our Greek New Testament. And he used it all the time because the news he's offering is too good to be true. It is such good, good news. And that's the picture that Paul is drawing here. He's saying the gospel, the good news of peace, that you can live in peace. It's a term, uh, good news was only used in wartime. When a distant battle took place, runners would bring back messages to the city, letting them know what was happening on the front line. Those who brought good news from the war were called evangelists. Those who bring good news. The good news that your city's army was beating the enemy. And so Paul was saying, I got some good news from the, 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 the war front. I'm bringing it back for you. You do not have to live in anxiety or worry or fear, you can live in peace. This news is almost too good to be true, that there's nothing that the enemy can do to interfere with your peace. Because guess what? He's defeated. He's conquered. Here's the good news coming back from the battle lines. You can live in undisturbed peace. But you have to choose to let it rule in your life and to not be moved by anything that's happening around you. Peace is one of the most powerful weapons we have. The enemy doesn't know what to do with someone who lives in peace and refuses to be ruled by anxiety or fear. And so when Satan comes to attack, we need to make sure that our feet are firmly rooted in peace. His, his goal is to keep us defeated. He can't keep us out of heaven, but he can sure make us live like hell here on earth, and this is the, one of the ways he, he does it. I was thinking um, this week about how intimidating a soldier wearing the full armor of a full armor must have been to their enemy because the Roman soldiers were really outfitted. In fact, they, they, they've been attributed to being so successful because of the way the Caesars... Um, outfitted their his his um army and and so think how intimidating that full armor would be now think about the fact if a soldier came out and didn't have his shoes on but had all the other armor on you know that i love to play pickleball I don't just like it, like I love it. I'm a bit obsessed with it. I, uh, it is just, uh, it's a refuge for me, I love it. And 
I was playing yesterday with Dave and Leslie and Leah's husband, and um, <laughs> and I was I was playing somebody, and um, they were up tight at the net, and they popped a ball up, and I happened to look behind them, and there was a wide open space behind them because they were up so tight, and I took the paddle and I nailed the ball right behind them, and it hit hard and it bounced out of the court, and this girl looked around at me and she said, how was I even supposed to hit that? And I said, that was the point. Because what I did was, I watched what they were doing and I found the weakness. I knew they were playing up and if I put the ball in the back, the chances of them hitting it were very slim. And I knew I had the advantage and I played it up. And then I began to see the pattern and they're in their playing. And I played up every advantage I could possibly get on them because I want it to win. The enemy is not intimidated by your church attendance. He is not. He is not intimidated by how many hallelujahs you can give or if you raise your hands in worship. Do you know what he's intimidated by? Your armor. He's intimidated by your intimacy with God. And he's looking, just like me at Pickleball, he's looking for your weakness. He's looking for where he can get the advantage on you. Don't give it to him. Don't give it to him. When I'm playing somebody like me who plays advantage, who is looking for advantage all the time, I'm really cautious like if I see them hitting the same shot over and over, they won't get that chance with me again because I'll tighten it up so they can't get that chance. If you're sitting here tonight and you are filled and tormented by anxiety and fear and worry, I just want to tell you, he has the advantage on you. He knows where your weakness is. And you have to tighten it up. You have to get some firm footing in the peace of God in your life. You have to start refusing those advances when he comes at you. Because he wants to do what happened to me on that escalator. He wants to take your feet right out from under you and cause a fracture in your life that will affect you and make you ineffective. That's his goal. And you cannot be unaware of his and um, I, so let's just flesh this out. I really have felt this uh, need to say let's flesh this out at the end of every teaching. So this week if the enemy comes and you find yourself laying awake at night um, just gripped by worry or fear, what are you going to do? You're going to tighten up uh, those shoes Remember, you're walking, it's your walk, it's your making progress. When I walk, I make progress, I advance. And, uh, and, and I'm going to advance in peace. I'm going to make progress in peace. I'm going to walk out peace, not walk out anxiety. Do you see it? I'm going to say to the enemy, I refuse that anxiety in the name of Jesus. I am, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive deeper into my relationship with Christ. I'm going to dive deeper into the word. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in that place where the fragrance of Christ, where, where I am, he, he embodies peace. It's who he is, the God of peace. When I get into his presence, I can't help but be overcome by peace. 
And, and so I'm going to run to his presence. I'm not going to rehearse everything that the enemy is trying to whisper that I need to be afraid of, I need to be worried about. I'm going to instead rehearse scripture. I'm going to go, thank you, Lord, that you will keep it perfect peace. My, my mind, because it stayed on you. And, and so I thank you for the peace that's coming in my mind right now. Thank you that I don't have to be anxious about this thing. I'm going to present it to you through prayer petition and with thanksgiving. And I thank you that you're going to send peace soldiers to guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Do you see? So get you some scripture and, and talk back. Next week we're going to talk about talking back uh, to the enemy, having a shield of faith, um, the sword of the spirit, and, and what that really looks like. So anyway, be blessed. Have a wonderful week, guys.